Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the One Stop Strategy podcast episode 7 for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. My name is Will Knight as your host as always and joining me today like usual is Davide Binis but unlike usual it is not in fact Max who will be joining us alongside him. It is in fact Anton who will you, you will recognise from the Road to the Top and the Big One podcasts. Anton... Abu Dhabi, it isn't really a track we're used to seeing strong races for uh, from, and unfortunately it was a lacklustre race to say the least. Overall, it was a race dominated by strategy with Max Verstappen coming out uh, on the top step of the podium at the end. Just give me your thoughts on what many have described as a boring race. Uh, first of all, hello everyone. Uh, thanks to Will and uh, Davide for uh, allowing me to join you today. Uh, it's a big pleasure to record today's episode with you. So, uh, well, yes, that's true. Abu Dhabi is not the great, is not the venue where you are expected to see some entertaining and interesting races. Some of them were, but not every single one of them. Uh, there, there are just were few, but I think that uh, today's race, uh, it was uh, not today's. Uh, apologies, yesterday's race, uh, it wasn't that bad actually. We saw a lot of uh, uh, overtakes on the two back straights in sector two. We had a lot of uh, battles in the midfield, especially in the closing stages of the race and uh, at the last lap, that battle between uh, Esteban Ocon and uh, Lance Stroll, it was uh, very interesting and great indeed. And uh, overall, I liked the race. Uh, we can't see Red, Red Bull dominating uh, the whole race often, but I think it was uh, a good race, uh, not that uh, trivial in terms of a race winner, but uh, still familiar faces on the podium, but uh, in the other order, overall a good race, I think, a good uh, farewell for some drivers like Kevin Magnussen or Sebastian Vettel leaving Ferrari or Sergio Perez leaving Racing Point, though he retired from the race, but I think we'll talk about it later. So overall, uh, like the weekend, wasn't the most entertaining one, but uh, was an uh, enjoyable one to see. Now, Davide, what Anton just raised there is that certain parts of the track layout can promote overtaking in terms of the ability the drivers uh, of the drivers to close in and make the overtake in the, the harder braking zones of the circuit. One thing I did see raised the idea of um, at uh, this, this meeting about how to make Abu Dhabi a, a better circuit is the idea of the chicane um, on the exit of the final uh, of the of the first sector, uh, I believe it is turn five and six. Uh, directly next to it, there is a straight which would lead directly into the first hairpin of the circuit. If you were to increase the number of heavy braking zones, do you feel the cars would have a better opportunity to overtake in there, or do you feel it is the cars themselves and not the circuit which is the problem? I think it's the circuit because it's, you know, a new circuit and uh, the new layouts, uh, they are not uh, as entertaining sometimes as the old historical circuits. So it's always difficult to understand whether changing the layout, we can actually see some more overtakings. 
So it's a difficult question. It's a difficult question. Um, but yeah, maybe increasing the heartbreaking zones could um, could help the drivers to perform an overtake. You know, they can go deep in the braking zone and maybe try. They call. They can also make mistakes there. So we could also uh, increase the the action and the drama of a race. And so yeah, I I agree with you. And yeah, in Abu Dhabi we have two uh, hard, two or three heartbreaking zones um with the before the two chickens and we've seen some some good overtakes there but yeah overall the race wasn't quite boring and yeah the layout is especially in the especially in this the last uh, sector isn't that entertaining for for a great race now just in case you have not seen the grand prix result it was as i mentioned earlier max verstappen who took top honors at the abu dhabi grand prix with an all mercedes uh podium other than that with Valtteri Bottas taking second and Lewis Hamilton taking third. Now overall the race was um, like Anton mentioned it had some good overtakes but overall there wasn't the string of chaos that we saw in Sakir and one thing that we did not see in Sakir is Lewis Hamilton returning from his quarantine and his uh, well his illness with COVID-19. He has said that he has recovered in the sense that he has no longer got it, but he is not in the best physical shape that he thinks he can be in. Now, Anton, that was obviously evident in the race. We saw Hamilton drained towards the end of the Grand Prix when he looked at, uh, when he was on the podium, in my opinion. He looked extremely tired, like we saw in Spain a couple years ago, almost to that degree. We've seen this in the past, especially with Lance Stroll. When a driver comes back from COVID... The uh, the form of long COVID, as people are calling it, where the effects are still present, the, the fatigue that drivers face. Do you think that is the reason behind Hamilton and Mercedes' sudden lack of pace? Or do you believe that Red Bull was just genuinely quicker over the weekend? Uh, well, it goes without, uh, without saying that uh, COVID is a dangerous illness, uh, especially because of its uh, long-term consequences. Uh, and uh, one of them is the lack of energy. While the illness just drains you, it uh, uses all your uh, internal re resources. And some people uh, do suffer from it for quite long. And uh, Lewis Hamilton was the one to suffer from such consequences. We had the report that he had some symptoms uh, during uh, the course of his quarantine and of course he wasn't in his best shape in Abu Dhabi. He really looked, did not look that great and uh, while I was watching the post-qualifying or post-race interviews he was even coughing and uh, that was a sign that something still wasn't uh, good for him. He didn't feel uh, good. He didn't feel himself at ease in the car. Uh, but still, I think that finishing P3 in the race after such uh, difficult uh, weeks, such a difficult period, is a stellar job from Lewis Hamilton, the 2020 world champion. But still, I think that it was maybe too soon for him to uh, come back for uh, race in action. Maybe he should have opt out, opted out of the weekend, but to uh, stay safe, to recover completely from the illness. But, well, that's uh, how it went. And, uh, well, there might be another reason why Mercedes were quite slow uh, 
this past weekend uh, at Yas Marina circuit. Uh, the concerns about MGK were growing uh, eventually and uh, we had the Mercedes engine changed uh, in Sergio Perez's car though it did not help him much. He retired from the race quite early due to engine just turning off and uh, well Mercedes were just behind Max Verstappen uh, all the weekend and uh, I think that uh, the MGK concerns uh, were the one of the main reasons why Mercedes were slow because they had to shut down the engine a bit though it cost them just one tenth a lap but uh, still Mercedes were dominant on the circuit for the entire hybrid era and uh, I think that uh, they would have dominated last weekend as well but probably uh, the adjustments in the engine made uh, made uh, their impact on how the weekend went and maybe that helped Max get that uh, win, uh, get that advantage over Mercedes but still a well-deserved win from him I believe. Uh, I think he would have been one of the favorites even if uh, both Mercedes were on uh, full power. Uh, that's how I, th uh, that's why uh, I think uh, Mercedes were a bit lacking this weekend. Now, Davide, Anton just touched on the fact that Mercedes saw some engine problems uh, throughout the weekend and some worries about their engine. Um, just, I know, obviously, you've got some information about that, and I know for a fact that Italians know a thing or two about engines. So, just give me your thoughts. Why do you think Mercedes opted to run low power and whether the problems with the MG UK that they saw this weekend is a sign to come for next season, possibly. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. And um, yeah, I saw news that Mercedes finished the race with uh, 13 kilograms of fuel remaining. So of course, they didn't push push much during the race. And that's maybe why, as Anton said, Max Verstappen won by almost 16 seconds. And yeah, they had to run the engine in a lower power mode and uh, concerning some MGK problems. And I think they had some problems in Bahrain as well because George Russell uh, in a team radio said, I think that he said he had no power, even though he uh, managed to finish the race. They think they had some problems during free practice. So yeah, not a, not a great sign for Mercedes engine powered cars because uh, as Anton said, um, Paris retired in Bahrain and retired during the first um, laps of the race. I think it was for an oil pressure problem. So maybe it's not the MGK, but still it's, uh, yeah, it's not good for Mercedes out uh, of the 2021 season. Um, but I think that, yeah, it was the last race. Uh, the components are quite worn. So uh, they should be good for, for next season. And yeah, I think that with, with Honda, they were, they were quite good uh, with the engine this year. They were, they were pretty fast. So yeah, I don't think uh, Hamilton and Bottas pushed much during the race and that's why Max won, even though he had a great pace during the whole race. Now, uh, like we just mentioned earlier, it was absolute heartbreak for Sergio Perez, his final race at Racing Point, the race he's been with since 2014, the team that took him in after that dreaded year at McLaren where he really did not perform and McLaren started to fall they took him in 
he secured podiums for them. He is their most successful driver in their history in the sport. Yet, after today, I think Sergio Perez will be lamenting on the fact that he didn't even finish his final race with them. The Mercedes power unit gave up Anton. Perez, surely his career can't end after winning his first Grand Prix. The next race, a horrific, heartbreaking engine failure for the Mexican driver. Do you think he'll be signed for Red Bull? We've talked so much about this this year. We, we've dubbed it the Red Bull saga on this podcast. The fact that we keep on mentioning it every week because there is just more and more developments appearing to come round. And it does look like Sergio Perez will be announced this week. There's no announcement has come out yet, and, and there's, it doesn't look like there will be an announcement, but there is a lot of rumours, and the noise out of the Red Bull camp right now is that there will be an announcement this week, and Sergio Perez will be driving the uh, the RB... Ooh, RB16 now, I think that's right? Uh, it might be RB17, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I think that uh, 2020 has been like a very great year for Sergio Perez. He rose like a phoenix. I think he fulfilled, he, he showed his true potential, his skills, his talents, uh, because everybody knew that Sergio was uh, a great driver. He is a great driver indeed, and he deserves a top ride, but uh, he, he had an opportunity at McLaren, but it wasn't, but the team was on the verge of crisis already, and maybe Sergio was still not ready for that challenge to drive a McLaren, uh, and it did not uh, be, it, it did not uh, work out quite well. But at uh, Force India and Racing Point, eventually, uh, he felt himself like at home. It was his second family. Uh, uh, he emphasized on this fact for quite uh, on a, quite a lot of occasions. And uh, 2020 was great. He finished fourth in the championship, uh, despite missing two races because of COVID-19. And well, he missed two races out of 17, uh, which in percentage is quite a lot. But still, he finished fourth, best of the rest. Impressive uh, achievement for Perez. Uh, he got two podiums, including his first victory in 190 races at Sahir Grand Prix after a lap one incident, which seemed to be a race-ending incident for him. He came back and uh, he won the race, and it was an emotional uh, moment for him, uh, I think. And... Uh, it's just unfair to uh, uh, throw him out of Formula 1 grid next season. Uh, so, uh, obviously, there were a lot of talks about the Red Bull's second seat alongside Max Verstappen because it goes without saying that Alex Albon was underperforming this year. There were quite a lot of expectations uh, on him at, uh, and he was close to win the race in Austria, the opening race of the season, but another incident with uh, Lewis Hamilton did not, him, uh, did not let him do so, but still, I think that uh, after that race, Alex underperformed dramatically and uh, he was completely beaten by his teammate Max Verstappen and of course the rumors uh, appeared about his possible replacement and uh, there were uh, theories that uh, Nico Hulkenberg 
might return to Formula 1 to drive for Red Bull and even Max Verstappen like that uh, option but uh, now everything comes down to uh, either Albon or Perez and uh, there were a lot of rumors in the paddock even at Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that uh, we might have the announcement uh, in the upcoming days as you've mentioned Will and uh, I see that I think that uh, it will be a good decision for Red Bull to sign Sergio Perez because, as I've said, uh, 2020 was a breakthrough year for for him, I think. His first win, uh, coming back uh, for the podium, and uh, I believe that uh, he deserves a top right, and uh, Red Bull is in great shape, and I don't think that him and... Uh, Max Verstappen might have any problems, any issues, any difficulties in getting along. I think that will be a great uh, partnership. Uh, and uh, Red Bull really need a strong second driver to support Max Verstappen. And I think I think Sergio Perez is a great uh, contender, a great option for that seat. And I believe that uh, we might see Sergio winning again and again in that Red Bull car next year if the move happens. That's what I think. Now, staying with Racing Point on that note, um, it was a bit of a disappointing day for them as well as Sergio Perez as the uh, the poor performance they saw in Abu Dhabi and the lack of points they gained in comparison to the uh, the rivals this year of McLaren mean that they finished P4 and not P3. Now obviously this does mean that they equal their best ever finish in Formula One uh, in their Formula One history in the Constructors' Championship. But Davide, with that brief scare that Sainz would have uh, got a penalty, although it wouldn't have had an effect in the overall outcome, now that we uh, we know that obviously he, he did not get a penalty, he maintained that uh, sixth place in the race, and with Norris getting fifth, McLaren have managed to get their best championship position since 2012. Do you think, obviously, with McLaren saying that they have, at best, the fourth car in the championship, do you believe that this has been a year of uh, good results for McLaren? Or do you feel that, as a team, in comparison to Racing Point, with the history that they have as a brand, and, well, realistically, with with the drivers that they have and the promise their drivers hold, do you think McLaren should have exceeded Racing Point in points even more than they did? Well, the thing that's, that matters is that they took P3 and they took a lot of money. Of course, I think it's five million of difference between P3 and P4, so that's, the, uh, that's what matters for McLaren. Uh, I know everybody knows that they are an historical team, but they struggled a lot uh, throughout the past years. So it's not easy to, to come out of a crisis. And so the, the thing is, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year, crazy season. So everything could happen during the races. I think that sometimes both teams uh, had DNFs, so you can't really predict uh, how it's going to end. So I think that McLaren did a great job. They had two young drivers. Well, the racing point at uh, Paris, which is very uh, talented and very experienced, and Stroll, which scored, uh, I think, two podiums at pole position, and he, he didn't do, uh, uh, he didn't perform very bad, Stroll, actually. Uh, 
even though Paris, I think he beat him um, quite easily. But yeah, I think it, McLaren did a great job uh, despite being a non-historical team and Racing Point, it's a new team. And But yeah, I think we should, we should have a look to the results and the results say that McLaren beat um, beat uh, Racing Point. And yeah, if Sainz uh, got the penalty, uh, it could have been a bit different. But yeah, I think it was okay not to give him the penalty because I don't think he did something wrong, to be honest. And so the FIA made the right decision. So yeah, I think McLaren yeah only scored a few points more than Racing Point, but those points are enough to to beat them in the championship, and that's what what's important for for. Now, normally, guys, we would do a driver of the day. Who is the best driver of uh, of the day? But I thought rather than that, we'd switch it up a bit. The final race of the year. Let's take a look at the drivers of the season. Um, first of all, just just for you who don't know, the, the rundown of the championship is that Hamilton and Bottas took a Mercedes 1-2 in the championship standings with Verstappen claiming the final trophy. Sergio Perez took fourth in the standings with Daniel Ricciardo in fifth and Sainz outperforming Alex Albon once again in a season to take sixth in the driver's championship. Alex Albon, Leclerc, Norris and Gasly all rounded out the top ten. Anton if you were to look at a single driver this season, point at them and say that is the driver of the year, who would it be for you? Would it be Hamilton right at the top or Gasly outperforming that Alpha Tauri to get into 10th place in the championship? Uh, well, uh, you just read my mind, Will. Uh, as for me, uh, Pierre Gasly is the driver of the season. I think that uh, his 2020 campaign was absolutely incredible. Uh, because uh, he really did a brilliant job driving that AlphaTauri. He had a crazy number of incredible performances, including his uh, race win in Italy. I think one of the uh, most unexpected, one of the underdog, most underdog wins in Formula 1 history. Uh, no one could have ever predicted uh, that Pierre would win a Formula 1 race in AlphaTauri, especially after such a struggle in 2019 season, uh, especially its uh, first half uh, in uh, Red Bull. But uh, I think that Pierre was was great uh, in this season. He really performed like a top driver. He completely outperformed his car, as you said, uh, Will, because uh, well, he qualified 4th, 5th, and he had like top 5 finishes uh, and uh, so on. And he he was way better than his teammate Daniel Kviet. Uh, he, was, he was just great. Uh, incredible campaign. I think that uh, no one could have uh, predicted that Pierre will be in the top 10 of the 2020 season in AlphaTauri. Uh, a season to remember for him. Uh, he will. He really is the leader of AlphaTauri. Uh, we saw that in uh, 2019. We saw that even earlier in 2018, and uh, that's why he deserved to have this to have his contract uh, renewed at uh, uh, AlphaTauri. And uh, who knows? Maybe he will get another shot. Uh, 
for at drive-in for Red Bull Racing in the future. Who knows? That's Formula One. Anything can happen in the sport. Uh, I would love to see Pierre driving a top car because if he does that in AlphaTauri, who knows what he could do in uh, even a better car. That's uh, why Pierre Gasly is my driver of the 2020 season by far. And Davide, I echo that question to you as well. Yes, for me, the driver of the year is Max Verstappen because he only finished nine points behind Valtteri Bottas, who is driving a Mercedes. And remember that Verstappen genf many times. He was unlucky with the tire failure. Then he, I think, he crashed in Mugello, not, not his fault. So yeah, also in the first race, engine problems in Mons as well. And so yeah, difficult season for him. Um, but he just nine points behind Bottas. That's that's why for me is the driver of the of the year. Um, if he uh, if he wasn't that unlucky, uh, I think he could have outscored him. And for Bottas, it would have been um, bad. Uh, so yeah, for me, Max Verstappen is the driver of the of the season. He drove fantastic races. He won in Silverstone. He won the last race of the season. Really deserved. Uh, so yeah, I think he can he can win the championship next year if he if he has the car to do it. Now, obviously, like you said, uh, Verstappen had so many issues throughout the season. He had so much going wrong for him. And in all honesty, I think I, I have to agree with your comments that Verstappen was the driver of the season. Looking at the team's standings, obviously it was Mercedes who topped the championship for yet another year in a row. It was their seventh world title in a row, the seventh double world championship that they had and have now beaten the record that Ferrari set in the early 2000s. Now, in second place is obviously Red Bull, followed by McLaren in third. That fight for third seen by Racing Point and Renault and McLaren all so close. But the team that have really let us down this year, especially for you, uh, Davide, Ferrari, They've been absolutely nowhere this season. And although you look on the outside, if you were to say for a team like Alfa Romeo, three podiums this season, it, that you'd think it was amazing for a team like Alfa Romeo. But Ferrari are the most successful team in Formula 1 history. And arguably, they should be the best. But they're not. And obviously... There's been issues within the team. Matteo Bonotto's uh, leadership being questioned. Sebastian Vettel's performance dropping rapidly. The only real stable part of that team really performing has been Charles Leclerc. Yes, I completely agree with you. Uh, Ferrari should be at the top and they only finished sixth in the, in the championship. Way behind Renault, Racing Point and McLaren. So, they, yeah, it was a difficult year for them. I think they got the whole project wrong for the car and I hope they will recover next year at least with with the engine you know um, and yeah Charles Leclerc is the only one that really um, could could drive the, that car because it was really difficult to drive I've seen many uh, onboard videos about Sebastian trying to you know do simple corners that were flat out and losing the car for example in Bahrain and yeah Charles also him uh, for him, it, it was difficult uh, in, in, in Monza, he crashed. 
but yeah, 98 points. It was the maximum he could do. I think he scored two podiums and uh, he missed one in Turkey on the last few corners and Fetzel took it. So yeah, also Sebastian tried to, to give everything, but I think the car is designed more for Charles. That's why also he scored uh, almost 100 points. He wasn't that far behind si uh, yeah, Albon and Sainz, which closed in P6 and P7. So yeah, I think Charles is really showing his abilities, his uh, skills. Uh, and if you give him uh, a competitive car, he can be at the top uh, uh, as well as Max Verstappen, as I said before. So yeah, difficult year for Ferrari. It's not easy to recover from seasons like this. I think they will struggle next year as well, maybe less, I hope. Uh, maybe if we if we want to see them, them on top, we, we should wait until 2022. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was difficult. Uh, also, as an Italian, it's it's hard to see a historic, an historical team like Ferrari struggling behind uh, Renault, McLaren, Racing Point and finishing finishing only P6 in, in, the, in the standings. So I hope they will recover next year. Now, Anton, just a bit of a wild card question for you while we're on the topic of this year, and then we'll move on to our predictions for next year. In the recent days, we've actually heard news that Electronic Arts, EA, will be uh, making a bid on Codemasters, meaning that EA will once again hold the rights for the Formula 1 franchise like they did uh, when they produced games like F1 Career Challenge and F1, I believe it was F1 2000 to F1 2006 they held the rights for uh, the series. Um, just just give me what you know on that. Uh there's no obviously the Take Two Interactive, the the creators of the Grand Theft Auto franchise, were rumored to be taking over uh, Codemasters for an obscene amount of money, over seven hundred million, to what I remember. Um, do you think that if AI, if EA were to hold the uh, the rights for the Formula One game again, the progress that Codemasters have been making recently in getting the steps that they needed to make in order to introduce elements to the games such as Formula One transfers or the brand new My Team feature we saw this year. Uh, Maxi knows more about the, uh, this than me. He obviously covered it when it was all going through for, for Pole Position magazine. Um, just give me your thoughts on that and how do you think that will play out in terms of Formula One games and the future of those? Uh, well, to begin with, uh, yesterday's news about uh, Electronic Arts uh, planning to buy out uh, the Codemasters. Uh, those news was a shock, a complete shock, because everyone was ready for the Take-Two Interactive Software takeover. Uh, it seemed like to be a done deal, but then suddenly EA just uh, appearing out of nowhere and uh, declaring their desire to buy the uh, F1 games developer and uh, uh, but, uh, well, was far, way far too bad. <laughs> oh my God, it, it was uh, much better than uh, Take-Two's offer. Uh, EA are planning to buy Codemasters for $1.2 billion, comparing to uh, Take-Two's offer of $750-$800 million. So that's quite a lot. That's quite a big margin. So, uh, of course, Codemasters will likely uh, agree to uh, consolidate with the EA and uh, 
this might uh, begin a new age of Formula One gaming, if we can say so, because obviously uh, we will probably have some characteristic uh, features of uh, EA Sports franchises like FIFA, Madden, NHL, UFC. I think uh, we might see some uh, some common traits for the upcoming Formula One games. Maybe they won't they won't be. Uh, much significant in uh, 2021 uh, because uh, the new game is already in progress I believe so there won't be much uh, impact from EA but speaking about Formula 1 2022 or 2023 we might see a lot of changes which are uh, well which are usual parts games uh, we might see you know some sort of ultimate team uh, I think they might rebuild my team uh, uh, career mode into ultimate team, uh, like a card system where you can build your own team, you can hire uh, mechanics and all other stuff. So some sort of, uh, uh, like in FIFA and other EA Sports games, uh, that is going to be an online feature as well. So they might make some sort of uh, unification of multiplayer and uh, my team career mode, uh, which will definitely be exciting to see. Uh, we might see some changes in uh, visual aspects, I think. Uh, we might see F1 games being on another gaming engine. Uh, so, like, FIFA is now uh, developed on the Frostbite engine. We might see something like that uh, in uh, Formula 1 games, and uh, uh, this is actually a good thing a good thing uh, to see uh, because the graphics will be improved though uh, I, uh, though there might be some bugs so uh, the my biggest concern is uh, the increasing amount of bugs because that is very likely to happen and uh, maybe uh, donations uh, internal microtransactions into the game uh, well that has never happened in Formula 1 games before, but it might happen in the future. Uh, it won't be the best thing to see in uh, Formula 1 games. Everyone is not familiar to it, everyone will not be used to it. Uh, but, uh, well, as far as EA will rule uh, the development process, that uh, is likely to happen as well. So. Uh, Honestly, I'm looking forward to see what this brings out to Formula One gaming, uh, and uh, it will be just uh, interesting to see how it goes. And uh, maybe it will be this. Maybe this story will have a good outcome. Maybe it will have not that good outcome, but I hope for the better. And uh, I'm just thrilled and excited to see. Uh, how this cooperation is going to work out. That's how it is going to be, I think. Now, moving back from the uh, virtual world to the real world, um, 2021 is almost upon us. We've got Christmas in 11 days. The new year is arriving in 20 or oh, 27 days, something like that. I've lost track of all time at this point. Yeah, 27 days. Uh, never mind, 17 days. Very, very long day. Uh, apologies for that. Anyway, 
moving on from dates, the 2021 season, a record-breaking calendar, 23 races if the to-be-confirmed slot will appear as a circuit such as Portimao or a rumoured uh, Thailand Grand Prix I heard brought up on around the media uh, centre uh, for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Nonetheless, guys, I wanted to ask you about what you were most looking forward to in this season. We've got so many new moves. We've got Carlos Sainz moving to Ferrari. We've got Sergio Perez most likely moving to Red Bull. The likes of Daniel Ricciardo going to McLaren. For me personally... It's Sebastian Vettel moving to Aston Martin. We're finally seeing Vettel back at a team which truly appreciates him for the four-time world champion he should be remembered as. And they have signed him for that reason. Hopefully we won't see him outperformed by Lance Stroll. Because if he is, that would well and truly end his legacy as... uh, Baby Shumi, as people used to call him. People used to call him the young Schumacher, and he's now just referred to as a spinning mess. Davide, in your opinion, what is the most promising young driver, old driver, whatever driver you want to pick coming into the the new year? Well, of course, I'm really looking forward to Carlos Sainz in in Ferrari. I want to see how um, Leclerc and Sainz will perform um, I'm very curious if Sainz, to see if Sainz will also beat Leclerc, maybe, you know. He's a very fast driver, he's very consistent, and that's why uh, Binotto and Ferrari choose him. But I'm also curious about Daniel Ricciardo with Nando Norris. Uh, of course, they're, they're going to make us laugh a lot, but I want to see them on track as well. And McLaren is looking very promising, he's looking very competitive also for next year, I hope they will be. And they have a strong lineup for 2020, 2021. And so, if the car is um, is good as uh, as good as this season, I think they will they will really um, battle for 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 point for great points and for podiums. And yeah, I, I agree with you also about Sebastian Vettel going to Aston Martin, and uh, I, I want to see how how he does. I think he can. Now take these holidays to think, to you know, uh, switch off the the his brain from Formula One a bit, and then I think he will come back as stronger than ever. Um, Ferrari didn't help him to be honest, and but I think Aston Martin will. Uh, the car I think will switch to him pretty well, and yeah, I I don't expect much to be honest from Mick Schumacher. I think the first season he will maybe struggle a, a bit. We've seen it in Formula Three and Formula Two. He needs one. He needs one season to adapt for, to the car. Uh, you know, get the right feeling. So I, I guess don't just look at the, at the surname Schumacher. Let's just call him Mick for the for the first season, and then let's see how he does. Um, and then yes, uh, Ricardo, Vettel, uh, Sainz, and Mick are the names that I'm looking forward uh, for the 2021 20, season. And Anton, the same question to you. Uh, the person I would uh, look, uh, the person I would keep an eye on uh, is Fernando Alonso. I think he's making his return to Formula One after a two-year sabbatical. But well, sabbatical from Formula One because in terms of racing action, he he was doing great stuff. Uh, endurance races, the car rally. Uh, 
he in the 500 uh well he was still racing he was still keeping his form uh, for uh, possible Formula 1 return and he will return next year but he will not return to Renault he will return to a team called Alpine uh, it is uh, interesting uh, to see uh, how Fernando performs after a two year break in Formula 1 because well he's raced uh, in a lot of uh, uh, interesting races in uh, uh, powerful cars, but still, it is nothing compared to Formula One machinery, and uh, it will be very interesting to see how Fernando performs in uh, this car and uh, how he will cooperate with his teammate Esteban, Esteban Ocon. Uh, overall, uh, I just look forward to see Fernando back in the car and uh, well with uh, Renault or Alpine uh, getting that form thanks to Daniel Ricciardo's and Esteban Ocon's efforts uh, in 2020 we might see some uh, interesting performances from the two-time world champion and uh, who knows maybe uh, Fernando will uh, bring Alpine back to the good old days of 200 and 2005 and 2006 uh, who knows so that's why uh, I would uh, observe closely uh, Fernando Alonso uh, driving around in his Alpine car. Uh, the other drivers I would like to uh, look out to uh, observe are uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris, probably two uh, most uh, humorous and funniest drivers on the grid, being in the one team being teammates at McLaren and you know uh, I won't be surprised if their bromance will be even stronger and better than uh, Lando's with um, Carlos Sainz because well uh, after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, they were asked whether they were looking forward to working with each other and Daniel Ricciardo said not at all Lando said well you heard the man, and I think um, as teammates, and well, they too are quick drivers. Lando outqualified Carlos in uh, both 2019 and 2020 seasons, and Daniel is fast as always. And uh, McLaren getting the Mercedes engine, getting the investments, getting the money from the 2020 season. Uh, this will definitely be. Uh, an interesting story to watch and uh, that's why I'm looking forward to 2021 um, well obviously it's uh, it's the end of season one um, we've got uh, we've, we've had a fantastic year for for ASN we've established these podcasts we've also got the ASN pole position magazine which you guys can check out the final issue of at the end of this month uh, Everyone there has worked extremely hard on it, and we look forward to publishing that one to you. Just both of you, uh, Anton first, and then Davide, just give me your thoughts on how the podcast has progressed and how well we've done as a team this year, especially in the background as well. He doesn't get uh, much of a mention in these podcasts, but I think it is important to recognize uh, Luciano. He does all of the stuff behind the background. He gets all of the editing done, and realistically, he's done a fantastic job, especially um, clearing up the, uh, the 
well, the, the messes that I often make it in terms of my uh, my stuttering and my mumbling. I think, uh, Anton, you can definitely um, echo the thoughts and the thanks uh, to Luciano, and as can you, Davide. Um, Anton, as I said, let's start with you. Just how do you think this, this podcast has progressed recently? Uh, well, I completely enjoy recording podcasts with you guys and with uh, Kane, with Max, with Jamil. Uh, well, this is my first uh, appearance uh, on the One Stop Strategy podcast, but uh, I enjoy the experience. Uh, but overall, uh, I I enjoy the process of recording podcasts, uh, making the coverages for you, our dear listeners and readers. Uh, it's such a great process. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, enjoy I enjoy being a part of the SN Motorsports team and I also want to say thank you to Luciana for making all this possible for uh, for being uh, the one who organizes us, who helps us in diff- uh, difficult moments, for all those brilliant moments, uh, especially uh, 24 hours of Le Mans that was truly remarkable effort from every single one of us, especially Luciano who did not sleep during that race. Uh, that's what the dedication to motorsports is, I think. Uh, and um, uh, thank you to, to everyone uh, in our team. Uh, I love working with you guys. You're like a family for me. And uh, I'm looking forward to 2021 because we have such a lot of things in mind. And we're sure I, I'm sure 2021 is going to be even better in terms of podcasts, uh, website, everything. So uh, once again, I'm very thankful to be a part of this team. Thankful to Luciano for making all this happen. And uh, Davide, up to you. Yeah, so it's been an amazing year, even though many people uh, can say that it's not been the best year, of course, 2020. But yeah, I've um, joined uh, ASN since the beginning, and I, to be honest, I didn't think that uh, all these people um, were this professional. Uh, yeah, no, I know, I thought, yeah, I'm going to write some articles and that's it, but the project uh, improved uh, and the it, it was like working uh, as a journalist for uh, an important press. And this and the, the guys, especially Luciano, helped me a lot in improving my writings. At uh, the beginning, of course, it wasn't easy, so I want to thank uh, thank everyone. And yes, uh, we have many things to, to do in 2021, so I'm really looking forward to it, as Anton said. Uh, so let's stick with us, guys. Uh, also, it's been my it's been amazing recording this podcast. It's it was my my first podcast and it's it's yeah i hope to to continue doing this with asn because it's amazing and uh, yes many many dreams that are coming true even though it's just the beginning it's just an experience but uh it's it's amazing we with asn we are almost we're, we're just as a family and uh, yeah it's it's amazing the atmosphere in the group is is great we have many ideas, so guys, 2021 it's gonna be it's gonna be a great year. And thanks uh, again to Luciano and everyone who made this possible. Yes, thank you very much to everyone at ASN. Thank you very much to everyone who is working so hard to get everything done 
this year and these podcasts to, to be getting them out it, it, it's an achievement that we've all been working very hard to uh, to accomplish but one person that we obviously cannot forget to to thank for everything you've done this year is you the listener wherever you're listening from whether you're listening from Abu Dhabi or Canada it we couldn't have made this possible without your support and we all just have to give a massive thank you to you as well and this year we're giving you the opportunity to interact with with us we're, we're giving you the option to hit, get your voice heard in the motorsports community with the mpca awards the motorsport uh, awards by asn on instagram asn motorsports all of our socials will be presenting this vote um, you can vote for your favorite driver your favorite team your favorite formula 2 driver even your favorite formula e teams they're all being covered over at the asn awards and if you could go and vote over there we would be eternally grateful not to mention you also get to support your favorite driver in the process so that has been everything that I've wanted to talk about. Thank you very much to Davide and Anton for joining me once again. And thank you very much to you, the listener, for joining me once again. As I just mentioned, all of our socials, ASN Motorsports on Twitter and Instagram. Remember, this is a series, and despite the fact that this is the end of Series 1, we will be returning for 2021 Season 2, where you will see me, Davide, and Max here on the One Stop Strategy podcast, as well as Anton over on The Big One and The Road to the Top. Just remember as well, uh, voting closes on the 16th uh, for the ASN Motorsport Awards uh, the 14th, the 15th and the 16th you can uh, put your vote in remember to join us next time as we go over and preview the Australian Grand Prix for the 2021 season thank you very much for listening have an excellent day and goodbye